I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. Episode 7. Hashtag Me Too. First, a trigger warning. The material in this episode could be quite triggering to anyone with mental health issues, and particularly survivors of sexual abuse or trauma. If you or anyone you know need help, one resource is the Crisis Text Line. Text to 741-741, an anonymous and 24 hours a day helpline for a variety of problems, including sexual assault, mental help, or just an emotionally difficult time. The movement of hashtag MeToo took on what seemed like its first life via actress Alyssa Milano's Sunday, October 15th tweet after Harvey Weinstein broke down the first wall of a deluge of sexual assault and harassment claims. She suggested women use the hashtag MeToo if they have been harassed or assaulted to show the prevalence of this epidemic in our world. The prevalence was certainly revealed with over half a million uses of this hashtag by 24 hours later. But the actual beginnings of the movement were much earlier than Alyssa's tweet. The actual movement began more than 10 years prior with activist Tartan Burke when she was a youth camp director in 1996. A young girl had come to her to reveal that she was being sexually abused in her own home, and Tartan, unable to utter her own Me Too at the time, tried to shuffle the young girl to another counselor or someone who might be able to take on this news leaving the child covering up her truth with the same sand that she had so courageously tried to first dig up and push aside. Tartan realized through that experience that the power of not only being an ally, but a fellow victim, was such a powerful platform of support and safety to tell the truth, even with a shaky voice. There is such a power in revealing who we are not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others who may keep themselves in a web of pain and seclusion because they are not sure who on the outside of it could possibly understand. It is with that inspiration in mind that I present this week's poem. Me Too. This poem has no statute of limitations, but what good would a statute do? when my accused have no trending social media accounts, and some are probably even dead. And not many people will even hear this podcast. I am talking into a pillow. Me too, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. Where to even begin? The first time it happened, I was in grammar school. Is this how a child should learn about other bodies? And if not... How then should they learn? Because I can never go back to the beginning of me. But it would be nice to know that there's another way, even if it would feel more like a fairy tale, never coming true. And one thing, in my experience, is for certain. It's absolutely not just men perpetuating, and not just women who understand the shame and isolation of hashtag MeToo. This game of pick the next accused and victim playing out in media is triggering 
to say the least. And waking up every morning to a predator in chief is debilitating. But the real sentence is in the living. The little moments when you wonder how life could be if your sexuality had been chosen and not this diseased and harmed thing haunting you along. Or the bigger moments where predators show up between you and the ones you love with their predators showing up too. Me too, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. The second time it happened right out on the street as a man's hand crawled all the way up my school uniform skirt, right on the street, just passing by my school. And I had to go right back to school after lunch, not even being able to tell anyone. I didn't see the need, it was all my fault. It had to have been me after all, or my uniform skirt, or where I was walking, or was I paying enough attention? It had to have been me, don't you see? Hasn't it always been you, after all? Me two, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. One time it happened, it happened with a girlfriend when I had had too much to drink. Have you ever had a no go on mute when out of your mouth it felt like screaming? But how could it possibly be assault? when I recognize the bed, the circumstance, and the girl. They say it's not about sex, but about power. I have known some of the most powerful people in the world. Haven't you met them yourself? Maybe instead of years of shame and self-loathing, I should have been getting autographs. Maybe I should take a White House tour. I am sure I would recognize the temporary resident from a mile away. Me too, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. There have been times I felt so bad about myself. It's been hard to carry on, but not hard to pair with older women way before my time and pair with violence, giving up my most special gifts and love with undeserving thems making mixtapes for girls who didn't know what music even was. And because this is my biggest wound, I focused on them when I should have focused on myself. And now I am 45 years behind on an unpublished story, the story of me. But now I can make up for some time since my last relationship was built on two sides of this equation and scared me half to death intimately. Now I can hang out in my little safe cocoon and solve my own math equations and calculate what I can mean in this world and to whom. Me too, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. Will I always be scarred from what these pieces of shit decided to take? Will I always be making up excuses as a will to live? Will I always see myself in the reflection of the pane of glass separating me from the normalcy of friends' weddings and children and summer vacations? Will I always be crying over news stories of women having the courage before it's too late? Will I always mourn the touches lost 
before I was able to feel them? Will I always regret the little bit of wine I've needed before spending intimate time with those I've trusted in? Will I always be looking at the photograph of her face, the one that meant the most, not being able to reach out with a promise that there is a different road for us, that we could travel back in time and undo the harm done to us, that we perpetuated throughout the relationship toward each other in a cycle. The mix of our realities sticks in my throat, the never-ending amazing well of trust mixed with such red-hot injury, stuck in a cycle because we recognize the childhood trapped in each other's eyes. Me two, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. In my experience, everything is trapped under this wreckage. Harvey Weinstein, I am eight again, or maybe ten. Charlie Rose, I am at that job where a coworker forced himself upon me. Kevin Spacey is the story my male friend told me about someone in a position of authority. Al Franken, I loved my girlfriend at the time, the very night I said no thank you. Roy Moore, did my childhood have to include such horror? How is it possible to vote someone in who devastated those little girls? Louis C.K., I knew a guy who thought he was funny too and could get away with anything with anyone. The piece of garbage president. You represent all of them. The childhood dance, walking back to school, forced at work into a back room, tipsy with a girlfriend and not wanting to. They are all rewarded one by one purple hearts for taking my courage and I am forced to attend the award ceremony on a loop it starts playing every morning right after the three seconds of peace of not recalling the world we're living in when I wake up a second time it's to the applause the incomprehensible part of this country decided you deserved to protect the lives of fetuses more than the lives of living young girls or to protect their own racism at the cost of this country's greatest commodity the innocence of each of all its people and i am stuck in a clockwork orange room with the intellectuals the liberal elite who don't feel quite elite Feeling the scars of their assaults play out one by one, eyeballs held open with the sticks of the nightly sexual assault rifles of all your ugly faces and excuses and apologies. I wish that bus had run you over and that what you said about assaulting women drained out of your thick skull like blood on the pavement. I wish that your running for president would have triggered them instead. The Lewises, the Kevins, the Charlies, the Al's, the Roy's, and the Donald's. Embarrassed that you would have ever been considered. Imagine if instead you were shamed for your Access Hollywood tape. Imagine if both you and Billy were fired in your own words. Imagine if instead you all became warning labels for other men. 
Don't act like these guys and you will win. Imagine if another president in their acceptance speech had gotten to say, sexual assault is not what made this country great, that we never, ever would have voted you in. But instead, we live in this alternate reality where the truth is assault is nothing new. And what's true isn't winning against you and your crew. The sights and sounds of the news are in and of themselves violating. And while you sit with your feet up on the desk of a place built by slaves' hands, that one of the most genteel and intelligent black men to ever walk got to fight for and win and ooze your disgrace on an international level and manipulate our faith like a puppet on the strings of the most hateful white men in America, we'll be out here reliving and living our own personal hells and filling out our Xanax prescriptions like good little statehood elves and trying to live with the triggers as they come, second by second by second still, Me two, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. I will never dress in all white and marry my high school sweetheart. And instead of counting on basic protections, ladies and gentlemen, we will just have to protect ourselves and create a hashtag project for our own survival. Me two, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. And you out there reading and listening, I am so sorry to hear and read and know about your own harassment and assault. But this poem is a safe space and we are in this together. Me two, me three, me four, me five, me a thousand times. Me too. Thank you for staying for track two, listeners. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to my poem, Me Too, please feel free to share the podcast directly with them. Track two, photography tips. So during last week's episode, I promised the return of photography tips, mentioning that we would tackle cold weather photography. To that end, I want to share tips in two different spheres of cold weather photography, using depth of field to your advantage and white balancing for winter. First, using depth of field to your advantage. Winterscapes can be quite overwhelming, particularly after it has snowed, with their forever whiteness and lack of texture. It really makes the winter and snow scenes the best time of year to play with depth of field. Though it can be very Ansel Adams of you to take a big white field with several trees with everything in clear focus, how much more interesting could it be to isolate one leaf on the outskirts of the scene and then fade out of focus the actual white expanse? As a New York City resident, I would give absolutely everything for more access to more expanses. But using what I can, I often like to walk around Central Park or Prospect Park after a snowstorm while there are as few people around as possible. When I do, I am drawn to the expanse of white or frozen all around me. But my photographer eyes are looking for the little details to focus on. One good example I can think of is when I was walking around Union Square during a snowstorm last year and spotted a woman walking with a red umbrella amidst snow on my lens 
and snow coming down at a fast clip all around us. Instead of assuring that everything was in focus, I chose instead to focus on her red umbrella primarily, and then let the background just blend in together and blur out. So my tip for you this week is to find the bit of color or bit of detail in a winter scene and focus on that, letting the white wash away in the background. It makes for a much stronger image. Second, white balancing for winter. One of the challenges of winter photography is white balance. A mostly white scene can make it difficult for even the most intelligent camera, or sometimes even the most intelligent photographer, to white balance properly. Usually when the camera is left to its own devices, using the auto white balance, the snow or cold scene could turn out a bit, quite definitely cold, from a color perspective, blue. There are three things you can do to help with white balancing a winter scene. The first is to take the camera out of auto white balance and manually set the white balance using a gray card method. The second is to use another automatic setting, but one with a bit more warmth, like cloudy or something similar to that. The third is to find a scene with a mix of warm and cold tones. If you're in the kind of environment of expanses I fantasize about, using a porch light or a fireplace through a window to counterbalance the scene and adjust your white balance with the warmer space of that scene. It will also give the eye a lot of interest to have in both the warm and cool spaces in the same scene. So my tip for you this week is to take more control of your white balance when shooting winter scenes and get the dial out of auto white balance using one of the three methods above. And be sure to bundle up and keep your hands covered while shooting in the cold. Track 3. Updates, Announcements, and Music In lieu of a music trivia question this week, I have some updates, announcements, and music to share with you. Firstly, I wanted to sincerely thank all of my listeners for your continued support, feedback, even though everyone is still afraid of public iTunes reviews, texts, calls, subscribes, and trivia answers and feedback. In terms of listenership, I wanted to announce that the podcast reached a milestone. With the last episode, our audience has grown international, spanning two new countries outside of the United States. Welcome to my new international audience members, and happy to have you here. So to answer last week's trivia question, the holiday single that was both the best-selling holiday single in the United States and the best-selling single of all time is White Christmas by Bing Crosby. And next, and finally, an announcement and music playlist news. The announcement is that the podcast will be expanding its repertoire of reviews. Starting with the return of the Netflix series Black Mirror, I will be starting television reviews, and starting with the release of Eminem's latest full-length album, Music Reviews. These companion review segments will be sprinkled into the podcast episodes where there is a piece of art that warrants a review and speaks to the focus of the podcast, which are poetry writing, photography, cinematography, and music. And in music playlist news, the current Photo Mixtapes music playlist is holiday-ish 2017 and has a sunrise side and a sunset side and blend some of my holiday favorites with other winterscape tunes. I know you will all love listening along throughout December while you enjoy your own holiday traditions. Check out the playlist on Spotify at Heather Petropolis username 
or daily at photo mixtapes on Instagram. And as always, you can write me at heather at heatherpetropolis.com. I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. 